0: We've only just Just begun
1: Hello beautiful people, welcome back to In Living Color Abroad I'm your host Angel Rodriguez On this episode you'll be hearing from Piff Taylor Who is living in Dongguang, China And I met Piff in California through the job fair In which I found my job And Piff will be now guest number four Out of the people that I met in California. And I think it's just really cool that I met all these people in February. And we still keep in contact almost a year later. I just think that's pretty dope. And, but yeah, uh, Piff is going to talk about the difficulties of internet access in China. And general restrictions that are present there. Uh, She's also going to mention how she's maintained a relationship with her boyfriend. Who's living in South Carolina while she's living abroad. And she talks about how she's been reinvigorated, how she's now found her joy again for teaching and why she's so grateful for the opportunity she took to move to China. Hope you enjoy. This is A Living Color Abroad. Piff, welcome to In Living Color Abroad. How are you? I'm
0: well. How are you, Angel?
1: I'm good. Thank you for asking. Uh, <laughs> for those that don't know, um, I've been trying to get Piff on <laughs> the show since we both moved abroad. <laughs> and it's been very, very difficult to make that happen because she's living in China and it is a 14-hour time difference. And yeah, I think I think you are the furthest out of anyone that I've spoken to that is abroad. So I'm glad that we uh are finally doing this. Right now, it is 8, 12 p.m. in Costa Rica, and that means it is 10, 12 a.m. Sunday in uh China, correct, Piff? Absolutely, yes. <laughs> but all right, Piff, uh, let us begin by you telling our listeners a little bit about yourself. All right,
0: so well, my real name is
1: Epiphania, but everybody called. <laughs> And I am
0: originally from Walterboro, South Carolina, well, I, I was born in New York, but, but I am bred and raised in Walterboro, South Carolina, which is a small, small town and, um, like near the coast of South Carolina with maybe 6,000 people. And I decided to move my behind all the way to Dongguan, China with like 6 million people Oh. oh, to teach
1: oh my <laughs> to teach
0: Jesus. English literature to um, high school students and middle school students. So it has been a bit of an adjustment, but it has been a fun adjustment. I am. I just turned thirty years old over
1: here in China. Wait, so that was what, what, so today was your birthday. birthday? No, no. Um, last month, October seventh. I almost said sixteenth. I don't know my own birthday.
0: <laughs> October seventeenth.
1: Oh, have the belated birthday. Thank you, darling. <laughs> but, and also for those listeners that have been uh, listening to my podcast, uh, Margo, who I interviewed in episode five, she and Piff both are from South Carolina. And did you know Margo, you knew Margo before uh, the trip to California or no? Yes, I did. Oh, yeah. So that's pretty cool. So what's going on in South Carolina? Um, <laughs> actually,
0: the lady right next door to me, uh, the resident, she also teaches at my school. She is also from South Carolina. She is from Charleston. Which is, and we are about an hour. Charleston is probably an hour, maybe 45 minutes from Walterboro. And we met over the summer. So, like, wow. it's just, like, I'm not too far from home. Like, literally, somebody from Charleston is right next to us.
1: That is insane. Did you imagine anything like that?
0: Oh, Lord, no. No. <laughs> like, this is the perfect, perfect situation. Because, like, when I met her, uh, we we had been talking um, via Facebook, of course, over the summer. Um, she was kind of like my, my China Sherpa, just guiding me. And she was kind of explaining some things and giving me some context. And anytime I asked her a question, she was always responsive. It was never a problem. And so we met up and she, um, Like, well, one thing she she especially did was, like, when I got here, she explained the whole technology situation. Make sure you have your VPNs. Here's the VPNs that you should get. Um, She also told me about the whole cell phone situation because I'd called my cell phone company, Verizon, and they were like, oh, that's not a problem. You can take your phone. It'll only cost you $10 a month to use it internationally and I made sure that that's what they said Mm -hmm. and then when I got to China it was come to find out it was $10 a day to use my my phone internationally but she had told me that that had not said yes god darn Verizon and she had told me she was like Pip that doesn't sound right and so she was like well just take an extra phone with you just in case because Over here, um, we have banks through China. All our money is deposited into a Chinese account as well as our American account when we get paid through our school. So we have to have a Chinese phone number. So she was like, take an extra phone just in case. So... I got. I already had a little fake, for a little phone, an extra phone. I took both my phones over here, and when I got here, I was in a perfect situation. So many people had to come out of pocket and buy new phones and buy and do all these other things and all this extra mess. And I already had everything set up because she helped me prepare that before I even got there. Saved me a lot of money, a lot of headache, and a lot of time. Like. And I was always, I was constantly able to communicate with my family, which is very important when you're living up abroad, you know, I and mean, I am just entirely too close to my
1: family. Yeah, and, <laughs> and, let, and let's let's speak to that, right? So, obviously, um, for those that don't know, I met uh, Piff in California, along with, like, two of other guests that I've had. And I tell people this all the time, and I'm sure I, you, I told you this as well, is that when I found that you were going to China, Margo to Qatar, you know, you coming to Germany I'm like to me that's like living abroad 2.0 3.0 versus me in Costa Rica is like 1.0 so can you tell us about how is it now that you've been there three months or so right how hard has it been
0: Ooh, um, <laughs> I have these moments where like um, like my, my family I got this this uh, I have six siblings well there's six of us together and I am the baby. So um, I'm very like close with my family, like when we were coming up, like, my older sister, she's like 30 years older than me, so there's a big difference between us. But she has kids my age, so I was close with them as well. Um, but my younger siblings, <clears throat> sorry, I'm choking up, <clears throat> not because of like tears, my younger siblings, we all slept in the same bed together by choice. Like, just same room, just like, you know, like, we, we grew up really close together, so being over here has been hard. Like, I have this, oh, and especially my birthday, like, that was very hard, but um, the best thing about it is, like, we have technology, and um, access to certain technology is limited here in China, but, like, I made sure all my family knew what they needed to have, and we Made sure everybody got it. So everybody has WhatsApp, everybody has well, WeChat, is very difficult to kind of navigate. So they don't have WeChat, but um, they have Skype. So if one way doesn't work. We definitely um, stay into that. I call myself, I have kind of have a plan. Like every morning, I take a cab to work, which is like 30 RMB, which is really like maybe $4. Mm. Um, So I'll take a cab to work. And um, I use that time to call my family because it's about maybe a 25, 30 minute ride. So I call my family or one person from my family every morning and I text the others throughout the day or I'll call my boyfriend or something. But it gives me some kind of connection back home. So that's kind of that's my goal every day. And it really does help with that like homesickness. Especially face, like, well, I don't have an iPhone, but kind of like that FaceTime and that, yeah. uh, the video calling, mm-hmm. that's absolutely essential. Be able
1: to see their faces. Yeah, I, I think that definitely makes it uh mm-hmm. right, a lot more uh, easier. Like, I have a colleague who's like 70 years old and he's, he's American, but he's been living in Costa Rica for like the past 30 years. And he's like, try living abroad 30 years ago. You had to send letters in the mail and wait two weeks for a response. <laughs> Yeah, but let's talk about that because you're in a very unique situation, I feel, that I think many people are not when they live abroad. Because most of the people that live abroad, they either go with their significant other or they're single, right? But you have a boyfriend that's back, that he's he's in South Carolina, right? Yeah. What has that been like for you and for him? All right, so I'm
0: going to have to put my snarkiness off because usually I'm very sarcastic (laughs) about this conversation with people because... Um, like, like real emotion is very uncomfortable for me. <laughs> so I'm always like, "Yeah, i we're fine." But then, God, I've been, you know, like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I wanna make him listen to this. So yeah. I need to be, I need to be respectful <laughs> and responsible. Okay, here we go. put on my adult cap. <laughs> well, it's good. Like, all right. So with him, um, my darling Derek, he, um, he's just a chill person. So it works. Like, he was the one who, uh, like, gave me money and supported me when I wore I told him, that, Derek, this is what I want to do. First, he was like, Piff is crazy. I know he, he didn't say this, but he was thinking this. Piff must be crazy. She's not really going to do this. But when he saw I was, like, buying tickets and going to, um, to fairs and trying to get jobs, then he was like, whatever you need, I'll help you because I know you want to do this. So, um... He is the type of person that, like, if it works for me, if it's my dream, he's going to support me. So as far as him, like, being mad because I'm over here or feel some type of way, like, I know he does because I I miss him as well, but I know he would never tell me I can't do something. Like, Mm. he has never been that type of person. Like, he might say, Tiff, don't wear that dress. Your butt behind is out. But he's not going to tell me, like,
1: (laughs) if you can't
0: pursue your dreams, you know? Yeah. So, (laughs) And That's good. That, that that kind of makes the situation work.
1: And w- what do you think needed to be in place for that to happen, right? For you guys to have that kind of trust and foundation to say, you know what? I could live a year away from you. Like, w- what do you feel needed to be in place in order for that to even be a possibility? I think
0: it's just a personality thing like it's not like, like we are both very independent people he's an only child i am a i'm the baby you know so and like he's not like the, he he wasn't a his mother was a very strong very intelligent beautiful woman and she raised him so that he is a strong man who is secure in his manhood and did not overindulge him at all even though they have the ability and the means to do that did not spoil him, did not overindulge him, made sure he was secure in himself. And then he's also like, he's going to be, uh, 35, his birthday is this month on the 17th of November, my 17th of October, so mm. adorable. <laughs> but, um, he, he's, uh, he's gonna be B-35. So he's fairly mature, you know? Um, and I am a very independent person. I have been, we have been together for going on seven years. Mm. Um... He, I have been the same me for all these years and he has been the same him for all of these years. <laughs> and so we don't crowd each other. We don't we don't like we do not feel like we have to live on top of each other. Like and I hate to say this, but there are even moments and I think everybody has these moments in their relationships where it's like we live we lived together this past year and there were days that it was like, dang, I wish I had my own space. <laughs> Like, yeah. I need to be by myself today. I'm that type of person. Mm-hmm. And so is he. Like, but there are some people in relationships who is like, oh, my God, I have to see him right now. Like, where's my man? Oh, my God, I'm so in love. Like, just attached at the hip. Yeah. I am not that person. I will never be that person. Mm-hmm. I don't want really to like those people. <laughs> and so, like, he's not that person either. And so that works for us. Like I cannot, I'm going to like, I'm definitely going to be home in December. I definitely cannot wait to see him. Like, and I love him like crazy and he loves me, but it's like, we don't have to be attached at the hip. We don't have to be on top of each other constantly. We talk every day. We communicate constantly. We just don't need to see each other constantly. I think, I think it's part of our personality and it's also being secure in your own relationship and being secure in who you are as an individual. And we
1: got it, so <laughs> we're well, good. I, I think that was really well put. Yeah, I think it's definitely like that that's being secure in yourself, right? And being like, yeah, I love her, but I can also be away from her. And I trust her and he trusts me and vice versa. So I think those are definitely um, critical, right? In order for that to, and obviously you said personality meshes together. Those are critical in order for that to be successful. And I think, I mean, again, I don't know how, I mean, whoever's listening if someone like if someone's in a relationship right now, could they do that, right? Could they say, "Hey, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, I'm gonna be gone for a year, D- you know deal with it." Like you know, I wonder how how many people could do that. I don't think many. So I think you're very unique. You and you and your boyfriend are very, are very unique in that aspect. All right, so let's go now back to South Carolina, right? Because I know nothing about South Carolina. So what is the mindset, in your opinion, of like? The- <laughs> <laughs> You know, I'm a big city boy here. I'm a New York City. What do you want me to do? That? What do you think is the typical mindset of someone from South Carolina and like how they feel about living abroad? Okay. Well, again, like from South Carolina, like no one place is a model the first, so we know that. <laughs> um,
0: but um, I think if you, okay. So if you think about South Carolina, South Carolina is a beautiful place. I I love South Carolina, right? So we have beautiful, gorgeous beaches. At the top of the state, we have these amazing mountains, and uh, this in the PD area. Oh, I just oh, got Blue Ridge area. Oh, it's just it is a beautiful place. It's somewhere you can go to get a little bit of to get a lot of everything. Um, we have Charleston, which is one of the like oldest cities in the country. Uh, lots of history. It's a beautiful place, but. For a teacher, it's a little difficult. It's a difficult pill to swallow. Uh, South Carolina. I was listening to a podcast called Walter Eggers Journal. It's uh, it comes on NPR actually. Um, It's a good show, and it talks about all just he's a he's a historian for South Carolina, and he talked one time about um, education in South Carolina. So you know, I was all over that. And he talked about how South Carolina didn't really have a Solid educational system until the like early 1900s, which is wild to me. And also how a lot I think during and I don't want to misquote him, but during World War One, um, when there was the draft, a lot I think it was World War One, World War Two, a lot of the men from South Carolina were, were rejected from the draft solely because so South Carolina had the highest draft rejection rate in the country because the men were, um, undereducated, oh, completely uneducated, um, and they had a lot of diseases and issues that were, that were due to poverty, so this mm. is the, the whole and this is the history that we come from, you know, yeah. so with that in mind, it's, it just shows that up until, like, fairly recent times, um, South, there there's been a big gap between those who are really wealthy and the, rest of, and the rest of the state. You know what I mean? There was no strong middle class. There was no strong education. So with that in mind, that kind of feeding back into your question, a lot of people from South Carolina, or those of you who I know in my area, in Walsboro, like, they aren't well-traveled people. They aren't, like, really, they have a base, you know, most of South Carolina is rural, um, most people who either they live on live on areas that used to be farms. Um, they, I know there's people in my area who do a modern form of sharecropping. Quiet is kept and to be, um, to be honest, you wow. know So it's like poverty is rampant in the rural areas. Education is low. So for some like when I told people that I was going to move to China to teach, they were like, Why would you want to do that, girl? You're crazy. Like, it was just, the reaction was so just, like, like, something must, you must be out of your mind. Like, because people can't imagine a life outside of their area. Like, I have taught, I taught people. I remember one time at my school, we took a trip to New York. And we were able to take the kids to New York for, like, $75 a person. And we were there for almost five days. So it was amazing. Um and uh, shout out to Michael Arnett for playing that. Um, <laughs> but the kids, for some of them, that was the first time they had left Buford, much less the state. You know, like they might have gone to Savannah, which is like an hour away. But um, I think it's that it's the the fact that like some, a lot of these places are really poor, a lot of these people are really poor, and it's just like I don't have time to think about going out of the country. I just need to think about like. <laughs> How am, I gonna, how am I gonna? put clothes on my kids' back? What am I gonna eat tonight? Like mm. these are choices, things that people are are still considering, like in a lot of places, but especially in South Carolina. Like we're South Carolina's gonna come up. Like there's a lot of great industries coming to South Carolina, but I live in, in a rural area, mm. so we're not getting, we don't get that um all that jazz. Like um I know there's an area South so Carolina called Hampton County. And then um, there's a plant in Charleston called Boeing, right? And the Boeing plant brings in more tax revenue than all of the different industries. Or, or the, there's like one company, in uh, it's a paper mill, I think, in, um, in Hampton County. And that Boeing plant brings in more tax revenue than everything in the whole entire county of this one town. So it just kind of shows the disparity between the the, the the urban and suburban areas and the rural areas where I live. So like people just they can't they can't conceptualize a life outside of that. Yeah, if that makes any
1: kind of no. I think, I think that makes perfect sense, right? And I think even I mean, obviously, I don't know about South Carolina, but even for New York, I think even people in big cities and like I think that's that was the misconception that I had right going into the job fair in California, San Francisco, was that. Oh, I was gonna meet a lot of people from Los Angeles, New York, Chicago. But I ended up meeting you, Margo, and people, you know, and it was from Fresno. I'm like, what is happening here? <laughs> so it's definitely, I think, a thing where it's like there are some people, obviously people like you, right? I think it's important to like hear your story. They're from what we will consider small states or you know, or you know, small cities in the country, but they they they're trying to do this. They're trying to go abroad. So it, to that point. What happened at what point did you get this idea planted in your head that this was a possibility? Like, how did you even find out about it? Let me just say that I am, I, th- I think I am a crazy person. Like, <laughs> I never we anybody, all are, we I all are share
0: this with you. <laughs> now. I want to share this with you, Angel, because you're my friend and I trust you. But when I was in high school, like, I, God, I feel like an idiot saying this. I was like trying to figure out how I could become a French citizen. And like I was gonna join the French Legion. Like it was ridiculous. <laughs> like, but I have what? always <laughs> like, I have always imagined my life abroad, right? I just didn't know how I was gonna get to that, you know? Uh, okay. So when I started teaching, like I always knew, okay, well, I was I did this program called Pace Program, which is in, in South Carolina, because South Carolina has a, well, like most states, has a huge teacher shortage. So they they've created alternative paths to teacher certifications with my PACE program. It was a three-year program that allowed me to teach while getting certified. So, and I absolutely love the PACE program. I think it um, was a fan- it's a fantastic resource bringing other teachers or other people with other paths of experience into um, education. So, um, shout out to PACE. But um, I always wanted to, to live abroad and I had no idea what it took to be an international teacher, and I guess that's my—I really started doing my own research and contacting schools directly. I think uh, it was the year my dad passed, so I think it might have been like dad passed, in 2014. Um, that's when I started like just contacting schools directly, and then the year after that, I found out about you and I, which is the fair in Iowa. And I went to the fair in Iowa, and I actually ended up getting a job offer and signing a contract for a school in Ecuador. Oh! And I ended up having to, yeah, I had to actually withdraw from that because of some other issues at my own school and with my own license. So, um, so that didn't work out, but I did have a job offer for us, and I had, and I was planning to go teach in Ecuador in 2015, um... And so between then and now, it shows you just, God, how long this process has been for me. Yeah. Um, I, like Later, I found out, years later, as I kind of put it on hold, and years later, I found out about ISS and about all these different services that schools use to put teachers in, in touch with recruiters. And that's kind of how I've gone through this process of like becoming an international teacher, but it's always been in my mind. Like I've all since I started teaching, I've always been thinking about teaching and about how I can pursue this thing and like teaching abroad. And I had such a plan, honey, because I love plans. <laughs> I had this gorgeous like, folder on my computer with all these different, like, cover letters and different resumes, and, like, I've done all this research for all these different countries, and finally, when I threw all that out the window and said, I'm going to go to a safe place that gives me a job, is when I got the job I have now.
1: (laughs) Wow. That is, I mean, I do remember you on your computer, like, every time, I mean, for those that don't know, like, the way that job fair works as far as, like, international teaching, like, this is like, this, like, lounge area, kind of like a cafeteria of some sorts, and everybody gathers there after they're done with their interviews and I always remember seeing Piff like those two days that we were there <laughs> on her computer constantly like it was like you were getting I, I know <laughs> I know but like you were getting to work that's what I'm saying like you were there was no like I was like kind of like chilling relaxing because you know like I have multiple offers and people were like oh I was kind of like chilling and you were like you were getting to you were oh, the
0: honey
1: <laughs> That's how I felt. Nah, but like you were really getting to work. And I remember you telling me that story of like how you were really looking into this. And I was like, damn. Like I came in here kinda on a whim and you were really like about it, you know? And it I just it, it just goes to show you that perseverance, like if your your hard work paid off, right? Like you, you got to go like where where you wanted and now you have that international experience and you have that job. So I think, and again, this is why I think it's important to have these conversations, right? From someone from South Carolina that wants to join the French Legion in high school, that (laughs) had this plan plan for you know four odd years, that like you could do it, it's possible, you know. So yeah, all right. So let's let's get. Person. You gotta be crazy. You gotta be a little bit. I think yeah, we all gotta be a little bit crazy If you're doing this shit. No, but um, but all right. So let us go. Let's go right. There to California, right? Because I think everybody has like a different experience, right? Like I had a different experience when I uh, when I was interviewing. So what was like when you went to California? What was your mindset like? I'm getting a job anywhere, or like oh I'm looking here. I'm looking there. Like what was your how, what was your plan of attack?
0: So it's like all I'm focusing on is how can I make my dream what I want come to fruition? So, like, even, like, we were, we were all hanging out together, we were all having a good time, but I was so stressed because it's like, like in my mind, it's like, if I don't get a job, that means that they don't like me. I'm not a good teacher. Mm. Like, I can't separate the two things, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then also, I kept thinking of how I have, I've had job offers that I have turned down, like, and it's like, and now I'm sitting here begging, but um, I think like, I am a religious person. I do believe in I a strong faith. And I believe God put me where I needed to be. You know what I mean? Like, the job I took put me in a position where I'm in a country where there are not a lot of black people, but I am in a school with three black women. Mm. And then one of those black women just so happens to be, like, from my from my state, like, an hour away from me. Like, that's crazy. That's crazy. And that then she was, insane. like, in sore.
1: Like, that's crazy. You can't, you can't write that. You can't write that. You can't make that up. That's so insane. So yeah, so so you're you're so okay. So you're in California. You get offers. You're like, I'm not going here. I'm not going here. When you got the offer from the, the school in China, because I had an offer from China too in Shenzhen, China, and you're in the other school. What was it again? Guangdong. Oh, you
0: should have done Shenzhen bro.
1: <laughs> I'm pretty happy in Costa Rica, I must say. I think I made the right decision. Oh, I know. place I ever went, like, internationally. Oh, really? Oh, I think
0: Costa Week is absolutely gorgeous. So with that in mind, you better
1: help a sister out. I know. <laughs> Word. What well, was it to say? Yeah, so, like, you know, I, I had an offer in Shenzhen, China, and I was really considering it. You know, I was like, I could do a big city, you know, it was like, Shenzhen, China was kind of like a big city. There was still a lot of green, and uh-huh. I'm like, you know, it would be, I could, I could learn Mandarin or whatever, in Chinese, and I thought, oh, it's what I need. But then I saw the money they were offering, I was like, Whoa. Wait a minute now This is not what I anticipated And then um, Then I also had an offer in Beijing That was actually the most money That any school offered me But I opted Uh To go with like I I would say I don't mind saying Like the safer choice For me right For me personally Like all right, Uh Somewhere as close to home right Costa Rica is only four and a half hours From New York I know the language I can pass for Costa Rican (laughs) I've been here before (laughs) (laughs) It's a beautiful country, you know? Um, so those things all were like... And the be- the campus is absolutely beautiful and I like the school itself, right? So what made you decide... All that being said, right? What the, That's what made me decide Costa Rica. What made you decide China? What did they say? What did you look into that said, you know what? This is where I gotta go. Okay, so...
0: <laughs> I'm gonna play into some stereotypes here. Okay. <clears throat> but... You know, when you hear China, like, you're under this impression that the kids are really focused and really driven and, like, their parents, like, really push them. And that's kind of what I wanted. Like, I wanted a challenge. I wanted somewhere where I could teach. Because I love teaching. I love being able to sit down with a group of kids and have a discussion about literature. Or, like, tell them, y'all, we're going to be writing sonnets. It's going to be hard. Um, it's going to be in the very, in the beginning, you're going to be a little bit miserable, but once you get it, you'll get it. And then, and have them be cool with going through that process instead of being like, oh God, I don't want to do this. You know what I mean? Like, I, I love my kids back home, but everything, most of it was really a struggle. It was a struggle to get them to buy in to what I was asking them to do. Everything was a struggle. Like once they once they turned on to it, once they got it, they loved it. But it was a lot of work getting them there. Mm. And I just wanted to put a place where I could teach, enjoy teaching, um, and be supported, you know? And that's what I had heard about QSI overall. You know what I mean? I had heard good things about. QSI and what I liked about it was that they have all these different schools in these different countries and you can just transfer within the system. So that was a big bonus for me as well. Um and then just like I know China is safe. Like they they cover some I can't say that. They there are some they all every place has its every place has its problem. you know? Like they um like, there's a school at where, where my apartment is. There's a school at the top of the hill. And, like, there's always, like, guards. Out there. You're always going to see guards at every school. And you wonder, like, why are there guards? Well, there's problems everywhere. People want their kids to be safe when they go to school. So it's not like everybody is going around here. It's like a utopia. Mm-hmm. Like, they believe in security. There's cameras on every single corner and every single place. And so, like, they make sure that. But, but it's like, I know people who... Like, I wake up at like as of late. I've been waking up in the morning, like, 5 o'clock in the morning to go running. And we'll go jogging. And um, there's another lady who gets up at and I jog within my complex. There's, like, a loop, and it's about half a mile. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'll do that a few times. There's another lady who, like, leaves at 4 in the morning and goes to this beautiful park because China has done a really good job with, like, creating natural outdoor and natural spaces. Um, So she'll go to this park called Chifung Park, which is gorgeous. And 4 o'clock in the morning now, she's running out of the park by herself. It's like, girl, but, um, no, she feels completely, absolutely safe. Like, and that's a big thing for me. Like, there have been days, like, I have a, a, an IE, a maid who comes in, um, and I'll go out and then I'll, you know, she'll, like, I'll leave while she's doing her own thing here in the apartment and she'll, sometimes she'll leave before I get home and she's like, I just let the door open, and then you just walk in and out. Like, it's, it's just people just, like, people feel safe. And that was a big thing for me. Am I able to teach where I'm going? Um, are the kids going to be driven? Like, I'm used to there being struggled. I knew there was going to be a language barrier, even with the students, because they are all all psych- um. Second language learners—they all come into English as a second language, so it's going to be that difficulty and barrier as well. Like I understand that, like I'm used to teaching that, Um but I just wanted to make sure that I was in a situation where I could enjoy myself, where I could feel safe, and where I could teach. And I felt like I could get that here in yeah. China. And I and I had done a lot of research on QSI. So when I got the offer from QSI, like I was, I was, I was pleased. So I was also trying to get a job. And cut um, uh, where uh, what's her name? Where uh, Margo. Margo is? Mm-hmm. Because I really wanted to be near somebody I knew, and it ended up with me again still coming to China and being with people from home. So yeah. either way, I was in a good position.
1: Yeah, it, it it worked out in the end. And so let's let's talk about China now, right? Because again, what preconceived notions did you have? Before you even you you took the job, but like when before you got there, what were you worried about before you got there? Internet, like okay. <laughs> i worried. I like,
0: like, can't say this. All right, no, and I'm just not used to that. Like we're in class, like oh my gosh. Um, in my in our textbook, like in like our rubric. So we have these rubrics here at QSI where certain things that you have to study, right? And you have to go, go by the rubric, but like you know, so. Um, they wanted us to read uh, some transcendental text, and there's a transcendental, there's, you know, I think it was Thoreau who wrote Civil Disobedience, and it's like, and I was explaining to them, and they were like, well, what about in America? I mean, in America, you can say whatever you want to say. Like you can go and say, like, um, somebody, the president should, um, the president should get, you know, should get in a car accident, or the president, the president, yeah. I, wish the president I wish the president would just die. And they're like, that's okay. I'm like, yeah, as long as you don't say I'm going to kill the president, then yeah. you're fine. <laughs> you're fine. Like, exactly right. Like, it just is what it is. Like, I was like, somebody, um, like, one time they were, those who were protesting outside the White House, and that man had, like, a dummy with, of like, Obama hanging from a noose.
1: Yeah. Like, that is offensive,
0: but it's not illegal.
1: So given that, right, that there's these restrictions, right, like you said, and obviously... Do you feel in the three months you've been there that you're, like, now used to it? Do you see it from, like, their lens a little bit or you still, like, kind of, like, resent it?
0: Like, I see it as hypocrisy. You know Mm, what I mean? Because, like, and not through them, but through us. Because it's not like this is some unknown thing to the whole world. But also, it's like, even knowing that we still have made a choice to engage with them On certain levels, like the economies of China and America are so intertwined. You know what I mean? And it's like and it's like but we have this whole notion that we're fighting communism and we're doing this and we're you know, we fight these beliefs and Mm -hmm. they're ideologically um and you know antithetical to us. But it's like, but for decades, y'all have put all that aside so you can make a dollar.
1: Exactly right. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point. It's a really good point.
0: Like Cuba's Cuba's communist, like and we we have isolated them all. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying it's it's hypocritical. We isolate Cuba, like, uh they don't they don't reach out to us and we or oh, if they do, we don't we we don't accept it because in the in the argument is well they're communists and well they did this and well they did that. All things that China has done and worse but we still engage with them um, because it profits us. So I just, I'm just like, let's just be honest and say, like, our values are our values um, unless it is financially beneficial to us. We all get something from it as well. It's like, like, I just don't understand it. It's the idea that... Chinese people are going to see how free and amazing America is and the democracy is, and then they're going to start calling for it themselves. That didn't work, because, like, in the past 50 years, where China has had this, like, industrial revolution, like, Chinese people's and I have students who tell me, like, my mother came from being dirt poor, like... Living on a farm, um, not having running water or electricity. Now, this is this girl's mother, no. to Like, now my, my mother and father own multiple companies and multiple houses. Like, somebody has, most people have seen their income and their quality of life shift, and they can attribute it to the policies of their government. You're not going to get them to turn on this government. Like,
1: it's just Murray, like. That's a good point. That's a good and point. And I'm not saying like.
0: Or communism works I'm just saying
1: like That's just the perspective That they have And that they see And what I've been hearing from them So Got it, got it And in that same uh, To go And continue that That train of thought So what is the view Of Chinese people To you, right? Because you are, right You're American You're a black woman How are those things similar? How are those things different When it comes to interactions With Chinese people? Both um, <laughs> oh, I love that oh, word, no. by the way. Bo. I miss saying that. Bo. <laughs> oh, you know, you, didn't,
0: you remember you not I, I don't even know how to use that word. That's messa. No, nope, absolutely not. <laughs> um, they, they like, it's just, you would think I was a, I don't know, I don't want to say an animal, but like, something in a circus or something. My God. As uh, I've I've learned to just put my headphones in and keep moving forward, but like some days when people are staring at me like I'm just like a circus freak or something like just just mouth a gape in awe. Usually like, I'll smile and maybe they'll smile back. It's, it, it can be very frustrating. Like it can be very like uncomfortable for me, and that's one of the like I. I don't know. Like, it's just very uncomfortable. I'm going to be honest. And people say, we just stay used to it. It's hard for me to get used to it. I'm from South Carolina. There are a lot of black people in South Carolina. A lot of black people, Indian people, um, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of Caucasian people, um, a lot of Hispanic people. I'm used to seeing, like, a lot of different, like, racist, different beliefs. Yeah. And I'm used to... I'm, South Carolina is a, is a melting pot. Like, mm-hmm. I'm used to that. So I come here, and they're just like, oh, we don't, you know, and you can tell they've never seen one of me. It's I have I have to be okay with their ignorance, mm-hmm. but it is it is a little bit frustrating sometimes. It's like, God darn, I just want to have a day. I'm just, I can minding my own business. Let me be me. But they, um, you know... It's just, I guess, it's, it is hard. It, it is hard, and it's frustrating. But you, you, you do get used to it. Wow. Like, it's nice. Um, sometimes, oh, God, the men, they just, like, they always want to practice their English or something. So they'll, like, follow you around and be like, hi, hello, hello. my God. <laughs> I, like, <Jesus. laughs>
1: oh, my God. That's...
0: Cause they're bold, like they're not trying to like holler or nothing. They just wanna, i guess they just want to practice their English. So she's clearly American. Let me—she's clearly not from here. Yeah. So let me talk to her. And it's like, no, I'm okay. Um, but there are—I like, there was one day. Where it was really funny. Like um, every, like a lot of people smoke cigarettes just everywhere. Um, and God, it's like—it's the it's cigarettes smell like I don't know, like dried butt. Like they smell terrible. um and I went to go pick up a package, and there was a guy out there just hanging out around the package store. And he was smoking a cigarette, and he was like, you're not from around here, or whatever, how he said it. And we just had a kind of a conversation, and it was interesting, and it was nice, and it was funny. And it's like, you know what, I don't mind that. I don't mind, like, you coming to me and talking to me Boy. or saying hello. Just don't stare at me like I'm some kind of freak. That makes me uncomfortable. Or look and smile. I'm from South Carolina. If you look at me, just smile and say hi. That's it. Ni Hao. That's all I need. <laughs> don't just look at me like um, you know what I mean. Like I'm just some kind of thing on display for you. That makes me uncomfortable. So.
1: So they just they just look at you as being um, obviously they have, they don't, don't count black people right or many black people there. Hence why oh, they. God, no. And I've heard um, that before by other people in like Asian countries it was like. Yeah, like you said, looked up like he's like a circus freak or like the celebrity, like, Oh my god, let me take a picture of you. How many times have you been asked to take a picture with them?
0: Um, so okay. I have this thing, like a really, really nasty resting bitch face. So people don't come up to me. Um, I saw one guy one time, like trying to, there were two black people in one spot. So he was trying to sneak a picture and I saw it and it was not a flattering picture of me. So I took his phone out of his hand oh. and I made him delete it. Oh.
1: And, um, what? No, that's crazy though. <laughs> like he was
0: fighting for it. He was fighting for the death. I snatched it right. Out. I, I, am, I am a little bit aggressive, a little assertive, but it's like I'm just out here chilling. Just let me be me. And I know that there are probably a bunch of pictures of me in my worst weight floating around some like WeChat page or
1: something. <laughs> we but chat. if I'm
0: if I, I can control it, then I will. I don't mind you coming up to me. I've had a few people like, come up to me, and, but then I always say, well, let me get one too, just so they can experience how uncomfortable it is. Yeah. Because, like, all the pictures on my phone of me with a Chinese person, like, they look absolutely miserable. And it's, <laughs> like, I'm just and it's like, you have to understand that just as uncomfortable as it is for you, it is uncomfortable for me. Like, Oh, when little kids do it, it's absolutely adorable. Um, I went up, to, at Chifung Park, there's this big um, uh, lantern at the top of the, the little mountain they have there, uh hill or whatever, it's like about uh, so like 500 some odd meters up, or feet up, excuse me. So you climb, and you just keep climbing, 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 and so you get to the top. And um, people are all up there, and there were these little girls up there, and they were just kind of staring. So, you know, they were smiling and laughing, and so I just, you know let's all take a picture together. And then I took a picture of them and they look so sweet. And they ran they told their mom and her mother just waved. Like I love those kind of interactions. Like, that's perfectly fine. So it's just it's just I think it's just the
1: the attitudes you have with it and the energy you bring to it. You know what I mean? So it.
0: I think and then also they people here, they just don't I don't know. There's just a lack of decorum. Like, what we perceive as decorum. Yeah. Like, they don't think staring. There's nothing wrong with staring. There's nothing wrong with, like, digging in your butt and pulling your drawers out. (laughs) Like, they just, Like, like, spitting. Not a problem with spitting. Like, I had to tell kids in my class, stop digging up your nose. Like, that's not sanitary. It's not, you're, you're 13. Just stop. Or, like, spitting. Or, like, Oh my God, I was on the train the other day, and there was, like, we're on the train, and there's literally a little boy standing there with his pants down his ankles, just standing there like it was nothing. Oh my God. And, like, his mother looked around, and, like, somebody finally pulled his pants back up, or, like, it was just, like, never just kept moving on. Or, like, I was walking into my apartment complex, and there a little, a little um, like, a little, actually, God, it's Chief Funk Park, like, a little girl, she was potty training, I guess, she had to go to the bathroom and her mother had her stand over an open grate, you know what I mean,
1: little grates in the yeah, ground. Yeah, 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 yeah. And just
0: drop it right on into the ground. Like...
1: Wow. That's
0: just normal.
1: Now that we're on that, like, obviously, like, culture shock, right, of, like, the things you're, like, experiencing and seeing in China, what are the things that you love about it?
0: Well, I like how just... It's a beautiful place. Like, it really is. Um... And I said, China has done, like, they, they do a great job of like just natural, open, natural green spaces, which is what I love. Like, said, I know I'm from a country, so I love just being out in nature and doing my own thing. And you get a lot of that here. It's a beautiful place. And it's so cool to go like to the park in the evenings and you'll see like old couples holding hands and walking through the park. And it's like, this is just so adorable. Like, everybody's <laughs> always out always moving like it's kind of like you know you read well I, I used to read a lot of like historical romance novels where like a couple would take a turn in the park after dinner or like after a meal and that was like romantic and you see people doing that just holding hands walking through the park like or oh my god i absolutely loved it um there's this um beautiful like lake like in one of the parks and i'll go there and i'll see people
1: like inside of you know those zip-up tents yeah. Just sitting in a tent next
0: to the water, reading a book, just hanging out. It's like that's brilliant. Well, like, I want <laughs> now. I want to go to Decathlon and get me a tent and just strap it on my bike and ride to a lake and just sit there and read, like. Or, oh God, and it's just, I'll I'll go to Walmart or Careful or any store with a book section and you'll just see a bunch of Chinese people have pulled up chairs from all over the store and everybody's just sitting down reading. They had nobody's paid for these books, but they're just sitting in there just reading. Like, Mm. it's beautiful. And then also, like, once you get to know these like people, they are very warm and they're very, like like open but like somebody was explaining to me that Dongguan especially is kind of a transient area people are coming and going to work because Dongguan is a huge um, like Shenzhen is like the tech sector and Dongguan builds everything for these
1: areas so when you see something that was made in China it was
0: probably made in Dongguan um, they build a bunch of tech stuff here a lot of factories a lot of industry so a lot of people come into this place to work but then they leave back out well, people don't make a lot of connections with other folks because the population is so transient like mm-hmm. what's the point of me opening up my home and my heart to you just for you to be gone
1: in two years
0: or yeah. a year? So they don't try to make these connections but once you make the connections with them and once they open up to you like you have a friend for life like they are um once you know like they just it's just a different culture like they don't um like I know, one time I was in a store and a woman was following me around. Now back home in America, if a person's following you around the store, you're a black person. It's like they think you're gonna steal something. Mm-hmm. But the woman was just following me around, and she actually helped me out a lot and like helped me pick a really nice blender. Like <laughs> <it was> just, <laughs> she just doing, her, just doing her job. Like she didn't know how to approach me. Yeah. And um, she was actually really nice. And so it just kinda teaches me to check my own like pre my own prejudices and preconceived notions and people when they're looking at me and treat me a certain type of way, it's oftentimes not why I think it is. Like I'm in- I impose like my American beliefs onto them. Like if somebody's, mm, you know, yeah, following yeah. me around or yep. doing then it's because they, because I'm black. Like, but usually it's just like, I mean, yeah, it's because I'm black. But it's because they've never seen a black
1: person. Exactly. They don't have
0: any expectations. Of
1: people, so yeah, and I honestly think so that, is a very important point that I I struggle with here, that I'm like noticing things that I, I consider very Costa Rican, right? Because it is a different culture. Even though I am Latino, is not the culture that I know. Being Dominican, mm-hmm. so there's certain things that I, don't make sense to me. And then, like, I impose my own belief system, whether that be the American or my Dominican culture, onto where I'm at. But it's like, no, I got it backwards. I'm supposed to adapt to where I'm at, not bring wherever and make that make them adapt to me. And I think a lot of people that live abroad that probably have a negative experience is because of that. That they they're trying to like make themselves like whatever wherever they came from, what or, or, like, you know, their comfort, you know, their biases, and bring that all. To where they're at and they don't open up themselves to where they're at in order for them to grow. So I think what you're saying, like you gotta check yourself. They're not being because they look at you so crazy, like what you said, you said mouths agape, is that they're literally their own ignorance. That they I've like, I've never seen someone like you before. <laughs> so so I think it's a very like you said, it still makes it hard, right? But I think it's it's good to like know that, right? To like kinda like check yourself every now and then, like, you know what? That's the way things are here, you know. You don't have to agree with it all, but at least you could at least know that this is just the way things are. And I'm not here to change the way people are here. So I think that's... Yeah, uh, like I'm not...
0: And, that's, and don't take offense. Like, that's the big thing. Don't take offense to anything because, like, these people are really... Like, they're helpful. They're very... They're helpful when... If you ask, they're very trusting. Um, they're open. And it's just a matter of just checking your own expectations and your own biases and, like... Like, here, like, I'll say things like, oh, well, it's not bad. Like, no, like, the only, honestly, the biggest issue for me is probably just, like, the internet and, like, the connectivity issues. Mm -hmm. Everything else is just, you can get everything at a snap of a finger. I don't have to leave my apartment for anything. Like, I need groceries (laughs) delivered. Like, you don't have to leave for anything. Everything you need can be, can be... God, brought up on your own phone. And, and I love, like, WeChat to some degree is fantastic. Like, mm. I'll pull up this app. my Like, they just, I don't have to have money. Like, I'll just hold my phone up and they'll scan a code on my phone. And that's how I pay for everything. Yeah, that's crazy. Or oh, I can send somebody money directly. Like, it's amazing. Like, yeah. how far along they are with technology. But it's just like the only problem is that the, the, And again, it's just the things, the technology that I use that I'm used to. I can't have access to it because it's blocked. Yeah. It's not like they don't have access. Like they don't. Like they don't have our level of technology. Yeah. I just can't use what I'm used to using.
1: Exactly. And what they
0: have kind of supersedes what we have. I'm just not. I just can't get Facebook. And everybody I know is on Facebook.
1: Exactly. <laughs> and on the final note, what are you? Because I, I think it's important for me to think about this myself. And for example, I'll just be honest. Like I was having kind of a shitty day today. And I think, you know, we all are going to have those kind of days. And ev- anywhere you are in the world. But especially when you're not home, right? <laughs> when you're, except for South Carolina, you're in China. Instead of me being in New York, I'm in Costa Rica. So today was kind of a shitty day. And I'm like, it's important to have these conversations, right? So that people are going through similar things, very different things. But are also enjoying where they are. And I asked you this, kind of like to check myself. What are you most grateful so far in making the decision you made to go to China?
0: By and large, like, just allowing me to connect back with the things that I enjoy. Like, I forgot how much, like, I am at peace when I am just around some trees and some water. Like, Mm -hmm. I... There are days when I am having a really bad day or I feel down... Because like, there are days when I just, I just feel down for no reason, because um, I'm human, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I'll check myself, like, you know what you need to do. And I'll get on my bike, and I'll ride to the park, or I'll do something and get my body moving, and that makes me feel better. Like, I realize that since I have been in China, I have been more active and done more things that I love to do than I did, like, in two years when I was well, in a whole in the year and a half when I was at home, so the whole time before I moved to China, when I was living in Beaufort, I was able to do things I enjoyed a little bit, but I was working two jobs well, as a teacher in America, in South Carolina especially. Sometimes you got to work two jobs. But I was I was living in a perfect place to do the things I enjoy, like being by the water, going biking, going jogging. But I couldn't do it; I didn't have the time. When I moved to Waterboro, back home to Waterboro, there there aren't those options. Waterboro is a very limited place. So I couldn't do the things I enjoyed. I didn't really feel safe all the time, and um, so when I got to China, though, it's like I can do things I love to do. I can sit on my little balcony or my porch and just read a book and just enjoy being outside. I can I go jogging in the mornings. I can go and just ride my bike or go walk into a park or just go and just be be with nature, and I love that and it just reminds me of all the things that I enjoy and I am so grateful I came here because it allows me to do that and also being here has really invigor- reinvigorated my love of teaching and I, I, I think if nothing else those are the most important things I'm taking away from
1: I hope you enjoyed that episode with Piff um, I'm so happy that I got to speak to her after planning it for so long, um, but yeah, I think again, I, I think we see this theme of finding something outside of where you were born. And obviously, this is from an American lens, right? Most people I speak to are American, but I think this could be said about most people that live, move from any country, right? It, it's it's important to be grateful and open if you're choosing, if you if said, if it's, if it's a choice to live in another country you need to be open about that you you need to you, obviously you bring your own biases and you can't get rid of those things but you need to be more aware of those things be more conscious of how your own thinking and your own perceptions and and biases affects you and also how that's affecting your situation wherever country you choose to live in and and i was being I'm quite honest in that podcast i was having a really shitty day on saturday And I had to remind myself why I'm here and that this is going to be hard. Not every day is going to be a walk in the park. The weather's going to be beautiful every day, but, you know, the situations are not. And I need to remind myself and ground myself on being strong in those moments that are going to be difficult. And that's why I think it's so important to hear these conversations of other people that are going through this in other places and in other places that are can be more difficult. You know, I'm not going through the things that she's going through in China in regards to internet access. So it reminds me like, hi, Angel, you don't have it as bad in regards to that, you know? So I think it's all about reminding yourself of the reason you're you're here, you know, speaking of us, uh, that we're living abroad. And I think for you, those that are listening, if you're not living abroad, remember why you're in the situation that you're in, right? And what positives you could, you could take out of those situations. But yeah. Yeah hope you enjoyed uh again i don't know how i'm gonna have on next week <laughs> but this is just fun uh finding out who i'm gonna have on and yeah uh thanks for tuning in please don't forget to leave a leave a rating a five-star rating on apple Podcasts if you enjoy what you here i'm also gonna have a giveaway that i hope to plan in the next week yeah stay tuned this is living color abroad peace